You're listening to Real Women Courageous Wisdom, hosted by Women for One truth teller, my friend and author, Kara Bradley. Real Women Courageous Wisdom is a podcast series featuring Women for One truth tellers, everyday women and kindred spirits passionate about sharing their journeys and inspiring others. Welcome back, everyone, to Real Women Courageous Wisdom. I'm your host, Kara Bradley. I get the incredible privilege to interview powerful women, truth tellers, every week, and I just feel so honored. And I am really excited about our guest today because she has not only incredible wisdom, but a huge amount of experience to share with us. Uh, Today we have Janet D. Thomas. She is an author and a transformational speaker. And not only that, but she's also the founder of Operation Enliven 2040. And wait till you hear what this is about. It's going to knock your socks off. So, Janet, thank you and welcome. Kara, thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. Yeah, it's so fantastic to have other truth tellers. I know for me it was so impactful to first submit my first blog to Women for One. Um, how, how did you come about being a truth teller? What inspired you to just share your story with us? You know, I've been on a healing journey, Kara, for decades. And part of that journey has been to come out with it. Mm. So, you know, in writing and, and, and sharing personal stories is something that um, I, I enjoy doing because I think that we bridge hearts that way. And because I'm so service-oriented, I thought, well, you know, maybe someone can benefit from my story. And I love, love, love Women for One's uh, platform and message and just telling the truth and being authentic. And, and again, we bridge hearts that way. I love that saying. I don't think I've ever heard that, bridge hearts. It's, and I'm, I'm a visual learner, and that's so mm-hmm. visual. That's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. And, and so your stories that you've shared with us um, have a lot to do with your journey, with um, struggling with weight, with emotional turmoil. Can you kind of just uh, set, set us up here with, with uh, where you've been and, and how, how you've come to this empowered place today where you're helping so many others? Oh, thank you. Yeah, sure. Well, you know, I have been a lifelong emotional eater, and um, it actually started when I was very little, before I was 10 years old, and um, I was sexually abused as a child um, outside of the home, uh, several experiences, several different men, and I thought it was my fault, and I didn't tell my parents. I never told anybody about it. I just kept it in, and at the time that I kept it in, uh, I got my, what I call my roommate, meaning it was this critical, snarling, monstrous voice that started in my belly around that time. And no matter what I did, Kara, no matter what I did to try to overachieve or be helpful to teachers or my parents or at school or whatever, that voice would always chime in and say, Janet, nobody's buying this kind and sweet act. We know that you're no good, so you may as well just give it up. So I had this going on for a long time. Now, Also in elementary school, we had a candy drive. You know how they have those candy drives at school to raise funds for the school? Yeah. Yeah. So little Miss Overachiever here, I decided to get not one or two boxes of chocolates. I got three uh, boxes of chocolate bars to sell for the school. And um, I actually started eating them at night when I was supposed to be asleep. I was in my closet 
and I started eating them. And as I pulled the wrapper off of the first one and I tasted it, it tasted so good and so amazing. And what was interesting about it, Kara, at the time was that while I was eating that chocolate, it silenced that monster that lived inside of me. Oh, wow. You know, and that became my comfort. And that's kind of when it connected where I was an emotional eater. Now, I don't know if I need to say it or not, but I ate all those, all those chocolate bars, mm. 36 chocolate bars in about a week or so. So my parents ended up having to write a check to the school for $36 for the chocolate that I didn't sell. Mm. Yeah. And I'd been on that uh, weight gain, weight loss, merry-go-round my whole life. So like I would eat for comfort, but then I would gain weight. And I always equated being thin with being lovable and beautiful. So I would try to lose weight. But then as soon as I lost the weight, I would get attention or I'd feel uncomfortable. So then I'd put the weight back on for comfort and security. So that was the roller coaster ride that I was on for many, many years. And um, so cut to the let's see, several decades later, and I got married and I had a child. And um, one day this voice got me. Um, it basically said to me that my son wouldn't miss me if I was gone. And when the voice said that, Kara, I was actually done because I had done my best to stay on the planet for all those years. And I had a lot of pain and I was just done. I couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. And I was, uh, I was clinically depressed at the time and I was taking antidepressants and I, I decided I was just going to take all the pills and go to sleep. But my ex-husband, my husband made me see that my son would never recover if I did that. And he said, you know, your mother would never recover and our son will never recover. And if you do that to our son, I will hate you forever. And when he told me that, Kara, that's when I decided that I was going to stay on the planet and I was going to heal for real. So that's when I really rolled up my sleeves and did something that I never thought I would do. And when I ran away from my whole life, and that was facing myself, mm. I had exhausted everything else. I looked to everyone else to see how to live the right way and do the right things. And it didn't work for me. So what I did was I was clinging on to life. And I did what I call, I became defiant, which means um, I really had an aversion to authority at that point because I needed to figure out who I was and what I was all about. So that period of trying to recapture my life for the sake of my family is when I went underground, I found a safe space, I started thinking about how I felt and seeing how I saw things. And as I had the courage in time to face that menacing voice that lived within me, I'd realized it was an illusion. All it was waiting for was for me to step up and claim my strength and power. And that's how my strength and power is translated now into the service work that I do. So that monster, I guess, still lives within me, but it's now in the form of my passion and my passion for service and healing. So that's a little bit of my story about how I came to the journey of healing. And I, and, and I didn't expect this. I did not expect that I'd be able to enjoy weight loss because of that. But after I healed emotionally, I didn't turn to food for comfort anymore. And I've been able to be at a stable weight now for a dozen years. And after gaining and losing over a thousand pounds in my life, it still feels like a miracle. But that was one of the most amazing byproducts of emotionally healing for me. Oh, wow. 
I, I, I'm writing down, feverishly writing down notes because oh. your, there were so many nuggets in what you just said. Um, mm. For those of you listening, if, if any of it resonated, I can't imagine that, you're, that nothing resonated. Um, it, I, I think this is one of those shows that you just have to listen to a couple of times because they're, just from the standpoint, I think off the bat, Janet, you said that um, your roommate started in your belly. And for yes. me, that was, that was, that's what really triggered for me something because being a very physical person, I'm a mover, I'm a teacher of movement, you know, I know so well that what is usually ends up in my mind often starts in my body. But because mm -hmm. so many of us are so disconnected, we're so mm -hmm. stuck in thoughts or, or emotional traps. But you, you eloquently stated that, that that roommate, the monster, the negative voice, was actually rumbling in your belly first. Yes, yes. And, and actually, um, when I did have the courage, now my first safe space, and, and, and I think that above all, Kara, having a safe space is very, very critical for all of us to be able to go somewhere and feel safe and protected by ourselves where we can unconditionally express ourselves and, and feel how we're feeling without apology. So when I had my first safe space, that was in actually my, my therapist's office. I had seen a therapist for about six months. Um, I called the rape treatment center because I was raped as an adult, and that's what happened before I decided to leave the planet because I just had enough. But when I got the help, when we were going into this healing journey in this safe space, in order to access that monster that lived within me, we actually did a visual where I went down into like a dungeon area um, inside myself because it did live what I perceived was within my body. So to piggyback on what you're saying, yeah, it, it was deep in there. And of course it was in my mind, but it really was in my body. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Um, it's, it's beautiful. And, and what I also love, the insight that you made that, that going back to the chocolate bars, that you recognize that eating those chocolate bars silenced your roommate. So it may have been one of the first times where you actually felt at ease or at peace, mm -hmm. you know, without the noise of being unworthy or being not clean or, or some of the other things that you said. Um, All of those things. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I think that's a really big distinction. I think that, because, listen, you know, so many of us are emotional eaters. I'm an emotional eater. And um, I never really looked at it as to, uh, looked at why in the respect that you just pointed out, that it does silence something that you don't want to face. So for those few minutes, perhaps, it's you're, you're at peace, even though you know you're doing something that is not going to eventually make you feel very good, perhaps. Right, and, and you're not addressing the issue, but you're comforting yourself. I know that I was comforting myself. I'm hypersensitive. And there were so many things that were just heartbreaking to me that I couldn't process. I didn't know how to manage, even as a little one. But even as I got older, there were things that would hurt my feelings and I would pretend like everything was okay. And then I'd go and eat, you know, a half a dozen donuts or something like that. 
but that was the way that I would comfort myself. And that became very, very, it was familiar. It was comforting because, you know, food is very predictable. It'll be there if we want it. Mm. And that was the way that I was able to, to manage those emotions. Now I will say though, that when I healed emotionally and I was obese at the time, I did want my body to reflect how good I finally felt on the inside after doing all of this healing. But at the same time, Kara, I had to tell you, I had to honor what I did to survive. I thanked the food for being there for me to comfort me, to allow me to stay on the planet in a decent way where I could show up at work or show up for my family. It just kind of kept me chilled out until I had other tools in place to help. So I never denied the fact that um, that really was a very helpful thing for me mm. to do the comfort eating. So I appreciated it, which I know is counterintuitive to what we're used to, right? Um, but to me, that just made so much sense. Well, and that's beautiful. And it, it sounds to me, I, I just finished um, Byron Katie's book, um, the Love, work, yes. Yeah, the work, loving what is, and and a lot of what you're saying is reminding me of of how of what she teaches, and I know that Kelly McNellis, the founder of Women for One, just interviewed her, and what a magnificent woman, and so simple, and some of the processes. Maybe you can take us through a little bit of your process. I love the the what you're saying about the having the safe space is so critical. We all need that safe space where we can let down the guards and the, and the, you know, the perpetual smile that we have on Facebook and just let it rip, you know? Exactly. <laughs> can you Exactly. Yeah. Um, can you tell us a little bit about just, I mean, I know it's a, probably a, a, a long, intricate process, but for those listening that, that may be really connecting with what you're saying, if there's a starting point or something that you that you've highlighted that is a, is a great tool for those of us uh, listening. I'd, I'd love to. Yeah, very simply. Um, what I believe in, and especially as a truth teller, is that telling the truth to ourselves is paramount. It doesn't mean that you have to tell the truth or be vulnerable to other people where you may feel unsafe. But in our safe spaces, it's about telling the truth to ourselves. And this is part of what I learned how to do to tell myself the truth, because I was a compulsive liar as well while I was growing up. So telling the truth is very important for me. Um, what I do, Kara, is, is if you can imagine that you are like the sky, like a clear blue sky, and think of your thoughts as being clouds in the sky, now, as we all know, clouds are always shifting and changing. They never stay stuck and they never stay the same. And neither do your thoughts. I mean, they're always moving and they're always changing. So I think it would make sense for us to give ourselves a break about how we think because it's going to change anyway. So that's the first thing. If we give ourselves a break about how we think, it will allow us to not get stuck on judging ourselves for something that we may be thinking when it's going to change anyway. So it's kind of like just flowing with the landscape of your own mind mm -hmm. and letting it be okay how you think. Because again, you, it's going to change anyway. You know, I'll bet you like you don't remember what you were thinking two and a half hours ago in 30 seconds, right? Right. <laughs> it is gone. <laughs> So it's going to change anyway. So that's the first thing about being able to tell ourselves the truth. The next thing that's really important to me is um, a tool that I use is when we learn how to just honor our thoughts the way they are instead of trying to shove them down and pretend that 
we don't feel that way because the reality is we do, right? We can't deny that we're feeling something. Right. So releasing judgment on that is really important. And the other thing that's important is to recognize that an event doesn't mean anything other than just the event. So let me give you um, let me give you an example. What we have a tendency to do is tie on different thoughts to a certain thing. So let's say you have a son who doesn't like to do homework. So he doesn't like to do homework, and then we tie on things. Oh, he doesn't like to do homework, which means he's not going to do well in school. If he doesn't do well in school, he's not going to get good grades. If he doesn't get good grades, he's not going to go to college. If he doesn't go to college, he's not going to get a good job. If he's not going to get a good job, he's going to stay here forever. I'm a bad mom, and that means I'm going to die. <laughs> right? That's crazy, so, right? So your son not, get, not liking homework equates to death in the long run, right? Like we put those two together, but it doesn't mean anything except that your son doesn't like homework. So if we just back it up and call it what it is, then that's something different than saying he doesn't like homework, therefore I'm a bad mom. They're not connected. Mm. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. And we connect them all the time. Like when I was little and those things happened to me, I connected that I must be a bad person. And that wasn't true at all. Mm. Right. So learning how to back it up, noticing when we're spinning out of control, everything means we're going to die. If we back it up and just describe the event without judgment, just say, oh, my son doesn't like homework and I'm annoyed by that. That's all it is. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and it just takes stepping back, pausing, right, observing. Yes. And just describing the event without judgment. A man is walking down the street. That's all that's happening. Mm. You may not like the way he's walking down the street, but the fact is he's just walking down the street. So it's really just rewinding in our brains to go just the facts. Mm, I like that. And then, and then it gives us some space to work with it. It gives us some peace. It can also maybe give us a little bit of humor when we laugh about how we spin out, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so spinning out like you're like you're talking about and going from my husband, my son doesn't like his homework to death. All of that time between that first thought, which is the reality of it, and all of the subsequent thoughts, that's just a waste of our energy, isn't it? It's our wildly it's our brilliant imaginations at work in a non-preferred way, right? We, mm. we have a tendency to spin things where it's, it's going to be detrimental to us somehow, right? So, right. you know, we have, these, we have these big, beautiful brains, and it's just about learning how to work with it to our advantage and for the improvement or the, you know, the healing or, or you know, the quality of our lives. And, mm. and that's what I teach. That's my passion because that's what I learned how to do after decades of struggling and studying and, you know, different things with self-help and quantum physics and psychology and philosophy. I was involved with reading voraciously those types of things to heal since I was 15 years old. But it really happened when I had the courage to dig in and get intimate and have a relationship with myself. Mm. Well, and I, I have to say, I, I feel your experience. I feel your journey in every word that you speak. You've got ground beneath you. You've got boots, boots in the mud or boots. Uh -huh. on the I mean, I really do feel that you're incredibly inspiring. Um, I would love for you to share some of the things that you're doing now because they're there. I wrote down when I was uh, prepping for the interview, 
I wrote down thinking big. You are thinking big, my friend. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, yeah. I, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I'll <laughs> no, I was going to say, tell us about Operation Enliven 2040, because this is cool oh. stuff, everyone. Listen closely. Yay. Okay. So Operation Enliven 2040, the vision for Operation Enliven 2040, or OE 2040, as I call it, OE 2040's vision is to end obesity on the planet by 2040. So that means that we have a generation to work on this rampant and heartbreaking issue that's really plaguing the planet. And I believe that we have the ability to respond to this. I believe that we have the ability to heal what's ailing us and why we are um, over-consuming in food. And I think it has a lot to do with comfort, emotional things. A lot of, there's, there, there are a lot of factors in it. But I believe that if we hold that vision if we just hold the vision to end obesity on the planet by 2040, I believe that we will find all the tools, the resources, the people, the support that we will each and all need in order to do that. Wow. So what are some of the steps? Yeah. What I'm doing right now is I have we have a Facebook page. It's at um, www.oe2040.com, and it's 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 um, pointing to our Facebook page right now, while we get the website together. Um, so the website is um, in in process right now in production, and I'm going to be looking for suggestions and feedback from anyone who's interested in holding the vision. Um, anyone who's going to be interested in uh, in sharing their ideas and their personal story. I think, Kara, that the shame around obesity and the fact that I think that so many of us are isolated with it, I think that has to end. I think we have to talk about it, bring it out of the dark and into the light, support each other, encourage each other, so that when we're ready in our own timing, to, to respond to it, we will have tools and techniques and a worldwide amount of support, wrapping ourselves up in this support of other people holding this vision. Now, I, I have to tell you that since I was a little girl, the only thing that I ever wanted was to see people happy and healthy and invigorated. And it's the same for me now. So I figured, you know what, what the heck? Let's have a vision of ending obesity and let's move towards that to see how amazing we can allow our lives to be. Mm, I love it. I love it. As you're speaking, I'm getting, I'm, I'm thinking about the breast cancer awareness movement and the support mm -hmm. that survivors have. And, you know, everybody gets involved in October and it's wonderful. And, you know, we do things together. We support one another. And it, it ends that isolation of just being alone with your with your diagnosis, well, why can't it be the same for obesity is what you're saying, uh, if I'm correct? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, communities getting involved with communities. As an example, on the Facebook page, it shows on the banner, it shows um, people holding hands, a different, you know, different races and different ages holding hands. One of the visions that I have is that as we get involved with different communities who are on board with holding that vision, to um, to repeat that banner, but to do it with people in their community, members of their community, showing unity and support and encouragement for each other with this idea. Mm. Yes, I love it. 
Fantastic. So yeah, worldwide communities of people supporting and loving each other back to life. We have to love each other back to life. And I do think that successful weight loss is about feeling empowered and inspired first and getting tools in place to successfully respond to the comfort eating. But I think it comes from a place of being inspired and dreaming and having an intention for our lives, which is what it's about first. Let's let let's let's nurture and love each other back to life. Yeah. Then we can deal with this weight thing, you know? Yeah, and that's and and it becomes this um, this self-fulfilling, uh, it, it, in some ways it's like this intrinsic motivation because you, you start feeling better. You want other people to feel better, feel helping other people feel better helps you to feel better. And it this is how we support each other. Yes. And this is how we can transform the planet. This is exactly how we do it. One person at a time deciding that they want their spark to be lit again, because mm -hmm. we have that spark. It never goes away. It's just a matter now of saying, okay, enough's enough. I'm calling it out. You know, let's go. I love it. I love the words you use. Spark is one of my favorite words because we all have a spark. It's in every single one of us. Sometimes it gets a little dim. It just happens. Yes. Life happens. And as you said, which I loved is, is naming and embracing what happened and, and, and food as a way to get you to where you are today, which is serving so many people. Oh, thank yeah. you, Kara. I really appreciate it. Great Yay. stuff. Well, before we finish up, I want to make sure we get your book, your book um, announced here. So I'm going to say this slowly because this is a mouthful, but it is an awesome title. So Janet's book is called Lemons, Lemonade and Life, Practical Steps for getting the sweetness. Oh no, am I screwing it up? T tell <laughs> us your subtitle. <laughs> no problem. It's practical steps for getting the sweetness back when life goes sour. Awesome, I almost had it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, so website is, you already told us the website for the Operation Enliven. Is there another place to find you if, if yes. people want to contact you? Yes, you can find me at JanetDThomas.com. We're also in production with an updated website there, but the existing one is there. And I also have a blog post about Welcome Operation Alive in 2040. Uh, someone asked me what, what my inspiration was for starting it, and I explained that there. And I also have another blog post there from last month about why willpower won't work once again. So you might want to check out those two blogs Oh, it's wonderful. at, yeah, JanetDThomas.com. Fantastic. Well, we could probably talk for another hour at least. I, I know, think. right? <laughs> I know, right? For sure. Oh, thank you, Janet. I am without a doubt completely certain that many, many folks listening are, are connecting and, and, and sharing in your joy and inspiration and also just gaining so much from, from your beautiful words and your deep, deep wisdom. So thank you very much for joining us. I'm honored, Kara. Thank you. Yeah, thank you all for listening. And stay with us. Give us a review on iTunes. Hang out with us. And please share with your friends. We are in this together for sure. Thanks, all. Thank you for listening to Women for One's podcast series, Real Women, Courageous Wisdom. If you like what you just heard, we hope you will subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and leave a review. 
If you're interested in becoming a Women for One truth teller, visit womenforone.com to learn more. For more information about our host, Kara Bradley, visit her site, karabradley.net. Join us next time for another enlightening conversation with powerful everyday women.